Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, April 12th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com and via Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also listen to us at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, as well as Stitcher. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Unique Ware, with whom I will be discussing her poem, I've Heard Love is Blind, and my poem, Curves. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of April 13th. On Tuesday, April 14th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop via Zoom, and that is at zoom.us forward slash j forward slash 520-208-8451. Again, that's zoom.us forward slash j forward slash 520-208-8451. April 15th will be the last day to register for this year's Tucson Poetry Festival workshops, which will take place on Saturday, April 18th. And you can register for that on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tucson Poetry Festival. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Tucson Poetry Festival. On Thursday, April 16th from 7 to 8 p.m., Phonetic Spit will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live. You can join that at Phonetic Spit, which is spelled P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, it's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic via Zoom. You can get the link to that at facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, April 17th from 7 to 9 p.m., Rosemary Dombrowski will be hosting the third of her fourth Phoenix Poetry Series to celebrate National Poetry Month. You can find out more information about that via Facebook at facebook.com forward slash PHX Poetry Series. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash PXX Poetry Series. On Saturday, April 18th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Tucson Poetry Festival will be hosting its workshops, and you can find out more information about that on their website at tucsonpoetryfestival.org. Again, that's tucsonpoetryfestival.org. From 7 p.m., it will be hosting a featured reading with several poets, including one of our past guests, Sean Avery. The information, again, will be available at tucsonpoetryfestival.org. On Sunday, April 19th, from 6 p.m., Tucson Poetry Festival will be holding a poetry open mic. And you can find out more information about that at tucsonpoetryfestival.org. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Unique Ware. 
Hi, Unique. Thank you very much for coming out to Poets and Muses. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really, I'm really excited to be here. It was a surprise, a shock, really, to have you come up and ask me to join you. So yeah, thank you so much. Wonderful to meet you and listen to your poem. And I'm glad we're going to talk about it today, um, which is called "What I Took for Granted." But before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Unique Ware. That's actually my name. It's not a brand. <laughs> um, I get that quite a lot, though. But yes, my name is Unique Ware. I am 18. Mm-hmm. I am close to being a junior at Grand Canyon University. Okay. And I am an English major. So awesome. writing is my forte, especially awesome. as of lately. I've been writing a lot more. So Yeah, yeah. You were telling me about your work earlier, but I don't know if you want to tell us. Um, yeah, sure. I'm not only in my uh, writing major, I work at Barnes & Noble. So it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, I love reading and writing. I've always loved reading. A bit more than writing, really. Mm-hmm. I am currently going to school to possibly become an editor, a literary editor. Oh, awesome. um, I've been thinking about it a lot, though. It's, it's strange being in school, because I've always felt like a pretty centered person. Okay. Um, like, I've always really known what I want to do and mm-hmm. how I want to do it, very organized in that sense, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to school. I've always appreciated it, and so I've always had a plan. Mm-hmm. And so my plan was to graduate early, go to college, and I've been working towards that my entire life. Although right. I'm only 18, it's been my entire life. Right. And so I've been working towards that for so long. And now here I am in college, about to become a junior. And it's like, it's it's crazy to me because I'm actually thinking about other things that I could do. Like this, it's this unknown to me rather than the plans that I've had thus far. Right, right. And like the bullet points I've made. So it's yeah. definitely different because I did go in wanting to become an editor Last month, I thought maybe I could become a professor. Mm-hmm. Last week, I thought maybe I should be a technical writer. And it's so odd to me because I've heard so many stories like this, like college students going, they don't know what they want to do. Right. They don't know. I even last year, not last year, my first semester as a freshman, I had a class and there was a senior in that class and she was graduating that next month I think and she was asked what do you want to do with your degree and even she didn't know she was like I don't know yet and she was graduating the next month so I don't know I find it as of late especially you know since coming into school it's kind of funny to me I've always been this you know kind of solid person when it comes to what I want to do especially with my educational career and now I'm kind of just jumping back and forth and it's strange because it's me (laughs) so it's like what am I Mm, that's odd it's odd behavior yeah and you've been uncut with what you've been trying to achieve I mean you did finish high school early because you're only 18 and you're already going into your junior year yeah so so I think you have I mean you you seem definitely like a very well held together person I appreciate that I try (laughs) yeah but you know like um, I think the wonderful thing is that you have this extra time and, you know, you get to explore more what you want to do. You can afford to make a few more mistakes, which is wonderful. And I think part of why I like public education system, I wish, you know, public education system would actually go through university so that we could have the education we need for today's environment. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I wish we would look to other countries and look at how their education system works. And I think in Australia, for instance, when you travel, you will always run into Australians because they get a gap year where they just go backpack. Yeah, and they get to explore the world. And I think that is so important to have, um, especially for a country like ours that claims to be 
the best of everything mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We need to look around and and like kind of try to get the best practices from other cultures. So mm-hmm. I wish we had a gap year and nobody will frown upon it when you they're looking at your resume and be like, oh, awesome, you got to travel. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's wonderful you get to finish early and you can have your own sort of quote-unquote gap year. Thank you. you. Yeah, no, I would love to do that, but it is, that's actually really surprising to me to hear that Australians get to do the art, you know, people going to college, they can take a gap year and not be really affected by it, socially affected by Mm -hmm. it, and judged. No, that's really interesting, and I do agree with that. There's a lot of things that I feel like America still needs to work on. (laughs) That, yeah, I feel like when it comes to the school system and that as well. And then also, like you were saying, we believe that we are the best and like innovative innovators. And, you know, we have all these things that we can do. But I think in that case, it's probably better to humble ourselves in a bit ways, in a bit ways more than one, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And to do that. Yeah, we, we are kind of a very braggadocio culture, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah, many ways. Yeah, so mixed, you know, so full of life, free people, free speech, all this and that. But yeah. it's kind of like we do, we do, like, I think unconsciously we set these limitations at times, mm-hmm. too, which is, like, kind of the opposite of it. Like, we're kind of contradicting ourselves in a lot of the time. Yeah, and there's a lot of layers to that, you know, like, we prefer a lot of idealism but in actuality for different peoples of different communities that achievement may not be possible because of um, you know prejudices and exactly, exactly. And, and it's frustrating because we do have this wonderful professed idealism and I wish all of us can really embody that and live that mm-hmm. but going back to poetry mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> tell me how when did you get into poetry Oh my goodness, that's a great question. I was actually thinking about this this morning. <laughs> I was like, awesome. she's probably going to ask me this question. Yes. Um, the earliest that I can remember as of right now where it was serious to me mm-hmm. is freshman year of high school, which wasn't that long ago. But freshman year of high school, I actually joined a creative writing right. class. It was a club, really. Mm-hmm. And it was more based on poetry. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really got open to the the idea in a public way Mm -hmm. like it wasn't just me in my room just making up words because before that I hadn't really paid attention much to poetry I'm also I'm also a singer Mm -hmm. and I used to make like little jingles here and there you know just fun stuff just writing words that rhymed and just literary (coughs) things because again I love to read so it's all kind of like coming full circle I think yeah but um I never really paid attention to it that much I can't pinpoint the exact moment where I was inspired so much that I was like I want to do this myself I feel like I can do this I can't pinpoint that moment but I can pinpoint the moment where I realized that it was a serious act like poetry it's very revealing Mm -hmm. no matter what the subject is because the the meeting the um what's it called the reading that we met at district four yeah yeah yeah, districts four there was a lot of poets that went up and they had these beautiful like some of them were short and sweet and Mm -hmm. some of them were so long and so detailed and just beautiful each one of their each one of their own and it was great, but then we also had high schoolers, you know, yeah. that one that one kid that made um, the poem about the cockroach in the bathtub. That was <laughs> yeah. that was very entertaining, but that was his poetry. That right. was what he had on his mind and that he felt he needed to write down. Yeah. And it was just so extraordinary to me. And I've always found that it's fun, but that it's 
it's serious work even when it's not serious because that's exposing what you're thinking about and how you feel about something no matter how minuscule it is so I think I took it more seriously once I joined that club because I remember it was about I think it was like four or five girls Mm -hmm. and then one boy and that was in that class and so we were all, most of the time, we were all just sitting around giggling, making jokes, like <laughs> spending an hour just messing around, not really right. doing much work. And then we had um, a guest speaker come in, and his name's Mr. Minor. I haven't talked to him in a very long time, but he came in. He's a real poet. He was also um, a teacher. I think at the time he was just a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. And so he came in and he talked to us, and we read him what we had written. Each one mm-hmm. of us read what we had written for a certain subject. I can't remember what it was, like the topic of that week. And then he gave commentary on what we wrote. And I don't want to say that he was kind of disappointed because we were messing around most of the time, (laughs) but he was just kind of like just a little lackluster. You know, he's like, okay, I mean, you guys wrote something like, <laughs> and so that's why. I, but then he he gave us his opinions. He might also not have been having a good day that day. I don't know. But like he because he gave us his opinions on each of our own writings individually. Like he talked about each of our own, and um, that was I think I was around like fourteen at the time, mm-hmm. maybe fifteen. I think so. No, I was definitely four, fourteen. Or, no, maybe 15. I don't know. Somewhere around there. <laughs> but then he gave us his opinions on it. And then he went up and he read some of his poetry. And we were all just silent. Dead silent. We were like, that was beautiful. And right, then we just right. wanted to throw all of our notebooks away. No. Um, but it was... <laughs> and he had come in other times before that. And so I think he just started feeling the environment and how we were taking poetry. And his approach was that we weren't taking it too seriously at the time. Again, he probably wasn't having the best day because he was a great (laughs) teacher. I've had him in in multiple classes before subbing. And so he had just gotten the atmosphere of like, this is just like a game to you guys or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is serious. It can be playful, but it is, you know, it's a form. It's an art form. It's a true art form. So I think that moment when he was criticizing us, when he was underlining criticizing us, because he he didn't go out straight, just straight out and say, you know, that was terrible. He was just kind of like, I feel like you could have dug deeper for that one Um, when he did that and when I witnessed that and then he spoke his truth and his poetry. It was kind of like, okay, this is supposed to mean a lot more than just spending an hour every other week and Mm -hmm. hanging out with your new friends, you know? So I think that was, yeah, that was definitely a memorable memorable time in my little poetry fiasco that I have going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think different people have different paths, as you might have heard. If you continue to listen to the episodes, different people approach it poetry in different ways and from at different ages some people do it as young as soon as they could write like amp the Mm -hmm. 14 year old who Mm -hmm. i interviewed and then rick who wrote that very long poem Mm -hmm. i also interviewed him oh you know so they all enter into poetry in their own way and sometimes having that experience and i'm glad this didn't turn you off because sometimes having that experience of going into a poetry class where it's so structured and you know you're always told you have to do x y and z before you can call it a poem turns a lot of people off Mm -hmm. i'm glad that he actually besides saying you can dig deeper he also demonstrated with his own art 
to inspire more possibilities, right? And I think, you know, as young teenagers, it's okay to just enjoy this another opportunity to just have fun and and chat away with your friends and even write just even if it's called fluffy quote unquote poetry is still poetry mm-hmm. and you're inspired by the moment mm-hmm. i mean that that's what a lot of poetry is it's being inspired by that moment and wanting to capture that moment right mm-hmm. so, exactly yeah. yeah i agree with that 100% yeah and and how often have you written since then i've written here and there mm-hmm. so i was in that little club my first year mm-hmm. in high school the entire year i was in that club and then afterwards i didn't really do much i was focusing again on trying to graduate early mm-hmm. and i was currently in a small town i wasn't really happy with where i was mm-hmm. and so i was just very motivated and focused on leaving <laughs> and so that entailed me you know focusing on school and everything and um next year sophomore year i fell in love i had my first love uh-huh. And that was fun for a few months. <laughs> and, then, and then it was an on and off relationship. And the poem that we're going to be talking about today was based off of that as oh, well. Awesome. And so it was on and off for a very long time, like for okay. the past like three years, a very long time. Okay, yeah. And so I hadn't written that much since leaving the poetry class freshman year. Mm-hmm. After the first breakup between me and this person, a few months later, I had this surge of just, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop right, writing. Right. I don't know why. It was for a good two, three months. I was writing every week, almost every day. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I really had, like, this big push to write mm-hmm. because I just, again, I just had to get it out there. It was these moments that were inspiring me, mm-hmm. like you just said. And it just, every single time I found a way to, like, revamp the scenario mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. give it a different light. And right, right. I was that was a time where I was just nonstop writing. Yeah. And so since then, I haven't been writing as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. I don't like feeling as though I need to dig for something. Right, I I right. it I feel as though it needs to really just come out yeah. as it should naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been so enamored by anything thus far since right. that breakup to really write as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. But um I'm currently taking a creative writing class at GCU mm-hmm. and it's not so much geared towards po- poetry, it's just creative writing in right. all aspects. Right. And um she's been giving us assignments and whatnot that I'm really finding myself writing again. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm writing again and when we met, you saw me perform. That was like a little surge of, oh, let's do something fun right. and read some of my old poetry, see if it's still, you know, worth the read. Yeah. So that was fun, too. It's just I'm kind of like reintroducing myself to it because it's something that I truly love. So, but yeah, it's been it's been a few, maybe like two, three years since that last little surge or something. Right, right. I, I think, yeah, a lot of it is sort of like you let it come uh, no matter what kind of writing, right? You have to feel inspired. You have to feel like you want to. There's something that you want to get out of your system to mm-hmm. say. Exactly. And the I, I'm glad you're like coming into the poetry scene. So is this the first time you're coming into the poetry scene in the area? Or actually, no, it's not. Not in this area. I've been all around. Um, okay. I'd rather say Maricopa County rather than just Phoenix. Yeah, there's been a... Last year, I went to a poetry reading. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure it was like out in Peoria or something. It was a far... It was a ways away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I've been... I've read my poetry here and there. But it's usually the same poetry, um, especially that poem. That poem I've read before. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's just been here and there. But it has it has been about a year since I like got up and read. I couldn't really find anywhere to go, but I'm glad that I found that one of our Jared's. So yeah, I'm glad too. But anyway, let's have <laughs> you read that wonderful poem. Yeah, awesome. Sure. What I took for granted, your mouth. Oh, the ways you could kiss me to feel as though soft little butterflies had pitter-pattered across my eyes, down my face to travel the spaces of my neck, breast, stomach, and thighs. Oh. What I took for granted, your eyes, with the ways you could see me. No, it was not if looks could heal. It was if looks could love with the ways you saw. What I took for granted, your hands. You could be delicate unless I asked otherwise to fray from your soft and sweet embrace. Your fingerprints could be found across every inch of my body, tip of my head to the curve of my heel. With your hands, you were a painter, and with my body, I was your canvas, and you worked very hard to display pleasure and affection, and you would be delicate. What you took for granted, me, every nook, every cranny, every piece of me. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's such a, like, it's like you're doing verbal lovemaking. Thank you. I think, it, I think there's a really big effect on how... I read it as well because mm-hmm. when I read my poetry I feel a different like a different side of unique like it's a different yeah it's yeah. um I guess a persona in mm-hmm. a way and just with my voice too mm-hmm. and I I really try to convey emotions or actually that's the funny thing I don't try as much as I think I do mm-hmm. it just sort of happens right. and I really appreciate that about art um especially when it comes to poetry mm-hmm. and singing just reading and singing it's an emotional act. Again, I find it to be yeah. an emotional act. So, And I'm so drawn to it because it's a way for me to express how I'm feeling just with the sound of my voice, no matter what I'm saying, even though those words do mean something to me right, right. or the words that I sing mean something to me. Especially, I find it even more critical when singing songs that I have not written because mm-hmm. I don't know that experience that person right. went through. Right. Yeah, I didn't live through that breakup or live through that heartache mm-hmm. and through that pain. So I try to feel it as the only way that I can, the mm-hmm. only experiences that I've been through. I've tried to mirror that. And so it's just it's that's just a part of my performance per se. Mm-hmm. Even though this isn't much of a performance because it is my own writing, it's a lot easier to like, whew, okay. This happened. I'm going to display how it happened, and I want you to feel what I feel. Right. So, but thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, it really was beautiful and and beautifully read too. I I feel like this is a definitely more, much more intimate reading than when you were doing it in front of all those people. Of course, at at District Four. Yeah. Of course, that that place you needed to project a lot more Mm -hmm. and it's harder when it comes to an intimate poem like this one right where you're just like I just wrote it for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly exactly oh my goodness I was actually it's so funny I was talking to my parents a few nights ago I finished writing a paper and I was talking to them about it I'm such a nerd when it comes to school and writing like and I'd gone over the word limit and then I mentioned how I was going to be on the podcast today because I was really excited I've never done anything like this And so I told my parents, and I had already read the poem to my mom. I had written the poem, and this mm-hmm. was, again, like three years ago. I had mm-hmm. written it and then immediately asked my mom to sit down so I could read it to her. 
and her and I have a pretty close relationship. So I didn't, thank you, I didn't feel too nervous, you know, Mm -hmm. reading this to her, you know, I am her daughter. That was kind of like an intimate poem again. And she also appreciates just that art form and Mm -hmm. just the love that you could hopefully feel that I'm speaking, like the lost love at least. And so, but my father was also there and she asked me to read it to him. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) That's a pretty, mm, that's questionable. Are you sure? But I read it to him and he kind of, he just kind of giggled. He's like, no, that was wonderful. That was wonderful, honey. I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. Still blushing over the phone. still, you know. But um, yeah, no, the intimacy of it is serious. I find myself my most comfortable however when I'm on stage Mm -hmm. and when I'm performing it because then I'm really it's for me and I don't feel the need to perform Mm -hmm. but when I get the chance to Mm -hmm. I just I love it so much I I do it makes it just makes me it just I don't know it makes me feel good it really makes me feel good so I really appreciate being able to do that Mm-hmm. and being welcomed into an environment, especially an environment like that where it was like, again, everyone was displaying their art, right. no matter how minuscule it might have seemed to others. Right. So right. I felt really comfortable there, and that's also important, feeling comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And there are so many spaces that I've found being here and reading my poetry at these open mics. There's a lot of them where you do feel very welcome. You can say whatever you want to say. And I like, you know, what David was saying, you know, if you don't agree with something, you can step out. And that is wonderful because it allows the speaker to say what they have to say, but it also allows someone who's uncomfortable to gain their own space and comfort. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, even though David uh, in District 4 speaks it, deliberately and other open mics do not but there is definitely that overall sense of consensus that Mm -hmm. this is something you can do you can step away if you're not comfortable but be in the moment for the performer tell me more about this poem if i remember correctly you said that you wrote this after the final breakup it wasn't the final breakup oh how i wish it was it was not however (laughs) it was the first breakup between the two of us the first it's very complicated. It's a very complicated. <laughs> it was. It was in the past. But aside from all that, it was the first, and I like to believe, like, the only real time that we broke up. Mm-hmm. And it had been a few months. Like, it had been a few months. He was my first love. And my first and only real relationship mm-hmm. as of now. And so when I... I especially now going through everything that I have, I'm the type of person that if we're no longer dating, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stay friends with you. That's, it's a bit, it probably would depend the most on the type of person that you have been with. Mm -hmm. And the type of person that he was, was not the type of person that I would have been friends with to begin with. Nothing against him, but you know, people, people are different. Everyone's different. They find their group of people. They find their, their group of friends. And um, we were just very different in important ways, mm-hmm. but there was these distinct similarities that we could really understand each other with. Like there were quirks that we could understand each other with, and those right. seemed more powerful than everything else that really didn't make sense that clip that you know wouldn't click. Yeah. So I was going through the motions of it all. One thing for sure, 
is the third verse, the mm -hmm. what I took for granted, your hands verse. I've been reading over that again and again, and it just seems so cliche. Because I was 15, <laughs> 16, 15 when I wrote this. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's and true. Three years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's so crazy. that My birthday's coming up, so not exactly three years ago. Thank goodness. <laughs> but it's just so crazy to me that even though I was feeling it, even when I was in the midst of feeling it, the fact that I could feel so much emotion mm -hmm. at 16, 15, it was crazy to me. And I, I again, I had to let it out. I just had this surge. Mm -hmm. And um, again, he was also the first person I was ever intimate with. Mm -hmm. And that meant a lot to me too. Mm -hmm. And so writing about it was a way to kind of like maybe a self-reassurance that he was lucky enough to be with me and mm -hmm. not to like, it was like me bringing myself up and raising my confidence again mm -hmm. back to what it was mm -hmm. because I did matter mm -hmm. and I was important because there's things that he made me feel as though I wasn't in just situations that I'd been put in that were uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that that was right. Mm -hmm. I still don't feel like it was right now right. that it's in the past. It's just, it is in the past, so I can't do anything about it. Right. But what I can do and what I did do is take control of mm -hmm. my body, of mm -hmm. my emotions, right. of my feelings, mm -hmm. which were valid, still yeah. are valid. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote them down. Mm -hmm. And I felt like... I actually meant that because a lot of the times that we had trouble is with lies and with deceptions mm. and whatnot. And so it was kind of like, I've always been the type of person that I'm going to tell you the truth and how I feel mm -hmm. because we don't have time to waste going right. in circles right. <laughs> with life and just, again, deceiving and lying. Like, what what is that going to do for anyone? Because right. at the end of the day, you're going to get to the truth whether you like it or not. Right. Whether, and I would rather it come from me Mm -hmm. than from some other person who happens to have overheard or, right. or you know, know this or know that. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt like I was the truthful one in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And this was just me then expressing my truth as well because mm -hmm. it is my truth. Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and say, oh, he did all of this because of that because I don't know what he was going right. through. Right. Even being in a relationship with him, I am not him. Mm -hmm. I do not have his mind, his heart, his soul. I do not know what he thinks throughout the days. I did not know what he was going through right. when I wasn't with him. Right. So I can't sit here and just place all the blame like, oh, he was a terrible person. Because he wasn't a terrible person. Mm -hmm. He was a teenager just like me <laughs> right. growing up in a situation that didn't work in his favor. Right. And so he was going through things. I was going through things. We approached those things differently and mm -hmm. we expressed them differently. And that also did not mesh well together. Right. So. I mean, it sounds like he was not, but, but let me know if I got this right or not. Mm -hmm. It sounded like he's not as expressive as you. He doesn't, maybe, how was his communication skills? His communication skills were odd. Because he, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say I love how odd. your eyes just yeah. like widen up yeah, while you're thinking about it. <laughs> They were, oh, yeah, because it's like, we definitely expressed ourselves differently. It's funny because one of the biggest problems we had was clear, concise communication. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't feel like we truly had that. I feel like he, and he's a very spiritual spiritual person, mm -hmm. um, not when it comes to religion, though, like 
purely spiritual right. dreamscapes and everything. Mm-hmm. When he has dreams, he feels like they're important and they mean something, stuff mm-hmm. like that, yeah. which is, you know, nothing against him. Everyone is different. Right. And so it's just hard to have a clear conversation with a person right. if their their emotions are amplified. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was weird because, like, his emotions are amplified, but at the same time, he thinks in a way that isn't real, I guess, not tangible anyway. Yeah. So it was like a lot of the conversations we were having, it's he feels this way and he knows we're meant to be, but you know, this and that, and he has all these feelings and all these emotions and these dreams that he's had. And I'm just like, I just want to have a one-on-one conversation (laughs) about like milk and bread. And you're talking about like a whole banquet. Like, I I don't know. It was just, it wasn't clear communication because I... I'm all for the creativity mm-hmm. in emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm all for expressing yourself however you deem fit mm-hmm. and just not being ashamed of it either. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be ashamed of how you feel and how you express yourself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a time to relish in fantasy and there's a time to really sit down mm-hmm. and be present in the reality. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't because mm-hmm. I could understand him. It's not that I couldn't understand him, but at the same time, I couldn't understand him. <laughs> it was like, I understand what you're saying, but I don't understand what you're saying because I'm not asking that question. Or you're bringing up a point that I don't even know how it got brought up, right. and it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Like, so, I don't know. It was odd. It, it was sounds, odd. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like there was some impracticality to it. Yeah, basically, it was just so odd having that aspect of who he is as a person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being in that mindset. And then again, us being teenagers. And then again, him being a horny teenager. It doesn't help. It's a bad situation to be mixed in with. But it sounds like the horniness worked to both of your advantage, though. Yeah, it points it did. Yeah, it did. You know what? And that's what the sad part is, too, though, because that was a very big part of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't have been. It really shouldn't have been. In the way that it was. In the way that it was. It wasn't, looking back on it, it wasn't healthy. Oh, so okay. yeah, it was. So that was your communications tool then. Yeah, really, it really was. At the end of the day, it was. It was, and that's one of his major. It's. It's. He again. He was my first relationship, so this is my first time expressing myself and being mm-hmm. comfortable with anyone besides mm-hmm. my my own. You know right. me, and so it is a really big part of how he communicates and how he demonstrates what he's feeling mm-hmm. and how he's telling the truth about what he's feeling. I don't really know exactly how to express it. It is an intimate thing. And he takes importance in it, but it was it just wasn't healthy. It just wasn't really healthy between right. the two of us. Especially, like, again, I was 15 when I met him. I had just turned 16 after we broke up for the first time mm-hmm. officially. He's about two years older than me, so he mm-hmm. was going to be turning 18 soon when we broke up the first time. And um, we did stay in contact, much to my, you know, dismay. Uh, We stayed in contact for a while, back and forth and back and forth, and a lot of things happened that didn't need to happen. Right. And that were just, that was just sad. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it was pretty hectic. Um, But I finally, I just, I completely let it go about a year ago. Mm Mm-hmm. In between that, too, there was other relationships he was having and other things that were going on and the other ways he found he was what he does, why he does what he does and why he thinks what he thinks and why he says what he says. And so, yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know. We just, our communication styles were different. It was weird. They were different. It was like they were different subjects, Mm -hmm. 
but they were in the same criteria. <laughs> like, <laughs> like different, like the main subject of how we spoke to each other was, it was like an umbrella, but mm-hmm. then we were separate, like sub-subjects, you know, oh, if that makes okay. any sense. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like you are connected, but more further away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's a okay. way better way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> no, the umbrella image helps. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the umbrella is connected through an overall membrane, but mm-hmm. then you have all these spokes that are not necessarily connected to each other, especially the ends. So that's mm-hmm. a great image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A poem. A poem. Yeah, yeah there goes another poem. one. <laughs> the umbrella poem. <laughs> the umbrella poem. Yeah, you I could, just, you could be the, um, oh, Rihanna. Of- <laughs> oh, yeah, poetry. Yeah. Oh, wow, no, that'd be perfect. Yeah, that's going to be my debut, guys. <laughs> Awesome. Don't forget to try to me. Of course. <laughs> I felt that it's about an intimate, not just moment, intimate moments mm-hmm. that you described. Mm-hmm. And this desire nature. And it's really surprising, I have to say, to hear the background story because it was so different from this particular this like it sounds so harmonious mm-hmm. in this particular. Right. I mean, it almost sounds like from this poem, you regretted letting him go because you were taking him, talking about taking advantage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was some regrets. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten back together, right? Mm-hmm. So, also, I'm just hard headed, and I need, <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to confirm that I was right about things and that it didn't go the way it went. But yeah, yeah, you, you <laughs> like to fact check. Yeah, yeah, fact check. Yeah, I was correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, that, damn it! Didn't have to go through that pain, right? Yeah, right? I know. I yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 understandable because a lot of the time when we're in love, we make excuses for the other party, especially as women, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're taught to excuse the other party, mm-hmm. to always be like, oh, oh, he doesn't have a good reason. Let me make up one for him, mm-hmm. and that's how we stay in bad relationships. But I think the poem in itself is something positive that you've gotten out of it but also what it describes because it felt like especially from what you've told me now that you've distilled all the beautiful moments or at least a a made majority of the beautiful moments into this poem Mm -hmm. so yeah no i did and thank you for realizing that before i did i did (laughs) i did no no um i truly did there's i found that's actually a mirror image to what my role was in our relationship mm-hmm. because even though it's it lasted only a, a short amount of time you know on paper it did mm-hmm. span for a while yeah. and I found myself always remembering the good times that mm-hmm. we had and just the happy moments and then the more the longer time went on and the more I kept trying to refer to those I realized they were far and few in between. There was only like a handful of them. And I was just playing them on repeat, just changing the details here and there every other time. Like, oh, no, that was a different time. But no, it's the same handful of times. It was very, very few times. And I felt that I was completely creating this relationship and just looking at it through this lens where it was just, it was where it wasn't it looking at it through a lens that it wasn't and not to say that there wasn't good times but there just wasn't that many there truly wasn't that many there was definitely not as many as I thought there were Mm -hmm. and at one point during one discussion 
he even mentioned like how many good times have we had mm-hmm. how many you know happy things have we gone through together right. how much of all of this turmoil is you know a success <laughs> in, right, right. or anything like that and he questioned me but I mean he questioned me about that because he was like what do you at some point he was like what do you mean all the good what what do you mean you miss all of this what do you miss right. what do you miss and it's just like you you got me there you're right. right and I started thinking about that more and I was like all these little moments that they meant so much to me that I even I to a, an extent curated I don't know it was a lot it was a lot more than I bargained for Mm-hmm. and I still went through it, though, because that's what you have to do, you know. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere. There's not going to be any progress if you just are in a standstill all of your life. Yeah, so. life is a learning process. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly, and I definitely learned that going through this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, I this poem is definitely just an accumulation of various good times, mm-hmm. um, various good intimate times mm-hmm. all wrapped up into one. But even a lot of those times weren't that good. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is like not, again, too, there's not that many. It's just far. Just right, far right. with you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's such a, like I said, the, the, the story behind it. I mean, that's why I love having this com- these conversations because the story behind the poem are always so, they're complex and they're multi-layered and, and sometimes they're completely contradictory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's really wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. That. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of to this, in a way, the fantasy element of it, the taking of the positive and in some ways magnifying it, mm-hmm. um, that I wrote my poem that I'm going to read. Yes, um, yes. And I, oh, I, I have good questions for you about oh, that. Because it was lovely. Thank I, you oh so gosh, much. I loved it so much. Thank you. And it's called Curves. Don't tell me men don't have curves when the hill of the Adam's apple makes my knees buckle. How can Cupid's arrow reach my heart without his bow on those lips? Whose corners reach the heights of gondolas ends in tempting delightful smiles. The tips of noses bend to the scent of desire. Brows arch as eyelids widen elliptic to better capture sights that set fire. The slope of the forehead gathers in short waves when befuddled by the puzzle that is attraction. And the repetition of swirls like a conch shell from the lips of years to their inner canals gathers the sounds of ardors beckon. That's just from the neck up. I go further down to the cul-de-sacs that are grass-lined to the inside and outside of his elbows, the humps of those wrist bones, to the history of his stories etched on the creases of his palms and fingers. So erase the ideas that men don't have curves from the curvilinear valleys in your own brains and come with me as we intertwine in and unwind from double helixes, making our very own curvatures in the circumference of sweat drops. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. Thank you. I thought that was beautiful. Thank I felt you. as though what I wrote, I was trying to write what you wrote. I was That was my attempt <laughs> at writing what you wrote. Oh, that you was an adolescent version. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Trust me, you're way ahead of the curve. You should have seen the 
juvenile things that I was writing at 24. So, <laughs> so this, it's all about the process, though. Again, like yeah, you mentioned, yeah. everyone everyone has their own process. Yes, exactly. Um, but I do have a few questions for Please you. Please ask. And so I want to know what inspired you to write that. What or who? Was it an event? Was it just something you saw on the street? Like A lot of my writing, uh, especially when I don't write about... Uh, well, this is semi-personal because mm-hmm. I've had a celebrity crush mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about celebrities. <laughs> but because I'm very wary of celebrity crushes because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to find out the real person behind a celebrity, mm-hmm. especially given a celebrity's need for privacy. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to find out what's the real person behind it. And also you never get to really have that interaction that you would have on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. like you have a real relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's in a way, it's a fantasy. It's about a particular person. At the same time, when I'm not writing intimate poems about myself, which, again, this is a semi Mm-hmm. intimate poem I also like to break stereotypes and the stereotypes is that women have curves men have angles you know mm-hmm. there's like women women are one thing men are another thing kind of stereotypes that we have that I feel like prevents us from truly understanding each other and not just from trying to understand each other but it prevents us to even making the attempt because we say, oh, women are that, men are this. And I feel, I feel like some of our divides that we see and some of the problems that we have, like gender-based violence, comes from this, <clears throat> this divide that we put up. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to write a poem about men's curves. Mm-hmm. And not in derogative terms. Exactly. I feel like you accomplished that. Thank you. Amazingly, exponentially. Thank you. I really appreciated that. Yeah, this divide created, it's it's kind of sad, you know, because individuals, you know, men, women, non-binary, individuals as a whole, they're all different. Mm-hmm. So there's already that divide. Right. It's understandable as to why there would be a divide because we are individuals, we are different men and women are different on many levels at the same time we are all still human beings at the end of the day we're all still human beings you know men aren't going to go through certain things women go through women aren't going to go through certain things men do and that's understandable and i feel like that's even being um spoken more about when it comes to men and mental illness and Mm -hmm. social you know everything that they go through socially when it comes to judgment, mm-hmm. you know, the masculinity and femininity aspect of it right. all. But it's just, it's not really fair. And I felt like with this poem, that was shedding a bit of a light on that. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's just not completely called for. It's understandable. There right. are differences between men and women. Right. That is a fact. But it is also a fact that there are many things that can, you know, be in common with one another. Yeah. Because we are still all human beings. <laughs> right, exactly. So, And I feel like that is um, some of the divide that is what prevents us from trying to understand each other. Because between men they would be like oh yeah he's a man as well so i'm gonna try harder to understand him because i have this link already which Mm -hmm. not really because he's still another person Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you have no idea upon just looking at his outward 
mm-hmm. manifestation of maleness, mm-hmm. how close he would be with you as a man. So uh, uh, same with between women. We can't just say, oh, because we two are women, we automatically are going to have some kind of connection. So I, I feel like in a lot of the uh, Julian de la Cruz episode, we were talking about how we don't look at intraracial racism, uh, intracommunity racism. We don't look at it as much as we look at intercommunity racism. And this one, I feel, is the same. We look too much for explanations in the intergender differences rather than the intragender differences because you and I are different as separate human beings. Our tendency, our human tendency to look for the simplest answers is the problem, I feel like, because we say, oh, you know, you're obviously female, so I'm going to attribute any differences between you and I to your femaleness, rather than the fact that you're a different person from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? yeah. And that's the problem, and that's problem not only with gender, but with race, uh, ethnicity as well, mm-hmm. because we attribute it to the most, the simplest answers, the most obvious, mm-hmm. seeming obvious yeah, answers. Yeah, seemingly obvious. Yeah, it's like, oh, you are female, therefore, that must be why you do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Whereas, no, yeah. it's because she is a particular person. She has a particular background, upbringing, all of these things that feed into the complexities that make the person a person of full flawed mm-hmm. human being mm-hmm. and i wish we look at that and and this is one of the times when i'm not mad enough at the the gender biases where i'm not just like cursing out the other gender mm-hmm. <laughs> which is i know sometimes it's not fair but i i'm looking at it from a more you know positive perspective to say no you know what men actually do have curves yeah no and it is a really it's a very very big positive way to look at it because it's also difficult to look at it that way in the fact that, you know, we're not that different, even mm-hmm. though we are. It's it's complicated. Right. It's complicated. Just human beings in general. Again, I feel like there's a comfortable aspect. Women, you know, being more comfortable with other women. Mm-hmm. Men being more comfortable with other men. Again, that goes to this underlying assumption for both men and women that somehow we can be. There's also the system that reinforces the ability, like going to something very negative, which is sexual assaults. Women tend to be the victims, and men tend to be the aggressors. At the same time, women-on-women's sexual violence exists, men-on-men's sexual violence exists. It's just that the system has been reinforced to the point where men can get away with it. Men can get away with abusing women. That, in a way, reinforces the stereotype of men are this way, women are that way. Um, It reinforces the idea, oh, men are always the aggressors and women are always the victims. Where if you look at it on a case-by-case basis, it's not that. It's much more nuanced. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, we don't, as human beings, because we have full lives, we don't either have the time or don't care to look at it that Mm -hmm. way. So Yeah, no, that's a really, wow. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No, that's a good point to, to make on this too just from from where we went from your your poem to here it's pretty pretty big jump but it's unfortunate there's many many things in this world 
that we've made stereotypes for and that we have continued to allow to happen to men and women from men and women. And it's not fair. Most of what happens in the world isn't fair. Does it continue to go on? Yes, unfortunately. All we can do and what we should do is recognize it and try our hardest to stop stop it or to reevaluate it in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like you said, we have jobs, we have lives, we have, you know, we maybe don't care. We right. are individuals who have our priorities. Right. And that doesn't always include, you know, as like an example of being sexual assault and right. analyzing the facts of it right. rather than just making these assumptions because of these stereotypes that have built been built for generations upon generations for centuries really right. for centuries since the beginning of freaking time <laughs> yeah. uh, when it comes wow. to men mm-hmm. but and it's unfortunate but it is true and a lot of the time too men aren't completely held accountable or cases that do pop up are not the ones that people really find the need to be talking about if that makes sense like a lot of the time there can be distractions with it you know like oh this happened but you know like like you were saying earlier you know oh I could never imagine him doing that because we don't really know the people right yeah to certain certain extents like that in this scenario just speaking of this scenario yeah but back onto the poem however I did want to ask your opinion on masculine and feminine I guess energy it sounds a little weird saying energy but just just the aura of masculinity and femininity and the extent of which you believe how you feel about it when maybe a man is a bit feminine but he's still a you know straight man or things like that you know just in general that whole genre of expression really right I have my personal preferences and I have the philosophical view of it Mm -hmm. and obviously the poem has a more philosophical view Mm -hmm. on it Mm -hmm. and to me it's like you are the person you are Mm -hmm. you know again it comes from your upbringing your experiences all of these things that make you you and every moment makes you a slightly different you so I'm fine with making friends with people from all kinds of backgrounds as long as we're respectful for mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. uh, we can have different opinions we can even have a good old argument where we're shouting at each other but at some point we have to go back to the respect we have to go back to you know if we don't listen to each other then communications break down then we can't really have a relationship because you can't just sit next to each other for you know a certain amount of time and be like oh, yep that's okay that's a relationship there. because it's not it's just two people sitting next to each other not communicating not having interaction we're not at the point where at least science is not at the point where we know we can telecommunicate yeah, but yeah. that's still oh part goodness of... imagine if that were to <laughs> yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. but that's still communication whereas if we're just sitting next to each other, even if we have that capacity, but we're not reading each other's minds, we're not having this interaction. It's it's meaningless. It's like segregation, right? I find in the U.S. we tend to self-segregate. Uh, we can tend to stick to our own kind, quote-unquote, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah, the be- people we're most comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Because And partly because of histories of prejudices and so forth. And... That's very problematic because then you can go through your life never having a meaningful relationship 
with a person from a different community, mm -hmm. whatever that community is, religious, ethnic, racial, mm -hmm. gender. You feel like it's a lot of that would just be, in a way, just selling yourself short, really. Yeah. Of being able to have those experiences because you can have meaningful, deep experiences with people that you feel most comfortable with being in a certain quote-unquote stereotype. Right. But at the same time, there's so many other people. There's so many other places. This is yeah. a big world. <laughs> yes, This is exactly. a very big world, and there's exactly. so much more that people can do and discover right. about themselves, about others, about countries, about anything and everything. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, it's just the small-mindedness that people may or may not be perpetuating, I guess. And I, I feel know. like it's more, even more basic than that. It's not like people wake up and say, well, no, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to. I, I've decided the rest of the world is not for me. It's more from the fear of leaving your comfort zone because mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to encounter. The mm -hmm. rest of the world is a big question mark or many, many huge question marks. so scary. Yes. It's so scary. And it's so scary. And so... If we look at it from that perspective, it's very understandable for people who say, well, I'm a meat and potatoes person. I'm always going to be that. I'm never going to try anything else because I'm afraid. And there are many people who operate on, from fear rather than a sense of, hey, I think I'm going to have a lot more. And, and I feel like a lot of people who become more adventurous are being pushed to be more adventurous. Maybe their life circumstances haven't been great. Maybe they don't come from a most wonderful family that are supportive and they're like, okay, you know what? This is not healthy for me. Let me go try to find my chosen family somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of those factors in play. So, And I feel like a lot more people are doing that, especially people around, you know, getting out of college or in college, like around my age, I find that a lot of more people are traveling like traveling is a really big thing right now yeah. i'm seeing it everywhere like everywhere going to different countries having these experiences mm -hmm. and i feel like we're really in a point in time where that's a vital part of our lives it is like, i mean even traveling within the u.s i can tell you i've lived yeah. in different states and each of them have a different culture exactly yeah no even going to different towns different towns i visited uh the few states that i have gone to right. it's completely different experience yeah and, and it's just like neighborhoods a, right yeah exactly yeah. yeah and it's really cool to me because again like you said even within the states there's so much that you can do yeah right? exactly i don't know that answered your question <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it, answered, it kind of answered my question. I was thinking more towards the, um, I don't I was thinking about it more because I watched the Grammys. They did a Prince tribute with Usher. And Prince, from what I know, he was a straight, straight man. He had uh, women in his life. Yeah. But he exuded this type of feminine energy right. that I was just questioning. Like, a man, like, I wasn't questioning it. I understood it and I appreciate it. And I definitely, I, I appreciate it overall for anyone to just be who they are and express who they are. But I was just wondering, I was like, I wonder how other people feel about this. Because I wasn't, I obviously wasn't alive during the time that Prince was at his prime. And, you know, the biggest star that he is, that he was. And so I was just wondering, like, living, and it's, it's very different living in a time rather than reading about a time like yes. like experiencing that rather than just knowing it in the past its history and whatnot yeah and so I was just wondering like how his initial like the response was initially to him coming and becoming um, an artist because he truly was an artist 
And so I was just thinking about just the aspects of femininity versus masculinity and why those have to be two separate. Well, I understand why they're two separate concepts, Mm -hmm. but why they have to be in more ways than one, especially with the older generation, like older, older generation, like, like, like boomer generation and stuff (laughs) like in, in that aspect, but like why they have to be seen as having to be distinct like men act like men women act like women and so I was just wondering like in the 80s and I know it was a pretty fluid time in the 80s too but it also wasn't so Mm -hmm. I was like I was just wondering maybe I guess your take on that because that's what I was thinking of it that's the lens that I was looking at it from like this man he was a straight man Mm -hmm. and he was feminine and he did it wonderfully and I'm just like wondering like how one would maybe think about that really well, there's a, um, a lot of gender bending. Like, if we look at history, if we dive into history, as in looking at individual stories, uh, obviously history does not look at individual stories. Mm-hmm. But, you know, history always look at the people who made the most noise, mm-hmm. basically. But if we look at just entertainment industry in general, there's always been more acceptance of flamboyance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it makes for a great show. <laughs> yeah, there's that as the show aspect of it. There's also that having had that exposure, people are used to it. Mm-hmm. And then um, in a way to flip it, going back to stereotype again, sometimes people flip it where you have to be flamboyant if you're in show business. That's the expectation, mm-hmm. which again is very limiting, right? But I feel like part of it is that we are more accepting of it, not that it didn't exist before, but we are more accepting of it, therefore we see more of it because people are more able to show that without feeling vulnerable. It's like if we didn't have open mics or if we only have one or two open mics where the people booed, acted like they were on social media, for instance, Mm -hmm. then you would not feel comfortable the kind of poetry being shared will be so very different Mm -hmm. from the kind of poetry that is being shared when we have open mics where people are open to different experiences Mm -hmm. and accepting of everybody's truths. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's that. It's that if we were able to construct the time machine and we go back, we will see that I mean, gay people always exist. Yeah, existed. Always, yeah. Non, uh, non-binary people always existed. It's just that the culture, you know, so first of all, they didn't have social media. So it was not so readily, they didn't have recorded audio video equipment. Well, last generation did, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that information did not travel at the speed that it is traveling now. Mm-hmm. So that it's harder to see some of these things. You have to literally have a time machine and go back to actually see it. But, you know, you do hear stories of, you know, Sappho's is a Greek lesbian, and Greeks are very famous for accepting of homosexuality mm-hmm. um, as something that men just practice. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like... It doesn't seem too much of a taboo. Yeah. And I really, I love that that type of culture. That's, I agree, I just kind of gravitate towards that because it's just so free and open, It's and I feel as though it's the truest of true in a way and just societies like that and in that aspect anyway in not in like aspect. the entire you know right, not right. all this is because not everything Greeks in society. was like very in the way very hierarchical and they yeah. had these very strict feminine masculine roles mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to see 
the laxness that people treat certain social aspects. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're they're being so vigilant, so constrictive exactly. when it comes to other aspects. Like it's just this paradox, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. exists now as well. Mm-hmm. I hope to live long enough to see when we really actually appreciate each person for their individual mm-hmm. and still understand how we as individuals contribute to society. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to balance those two ideas in one's head because there's so much complexity and paradox to mm-hmm. it. And people, God, people hate uncertainty people hate <laughs> uncertainty and to an extent i understand it's um, a lot of life is just we have to live with uncertainty mm-hmm. it's not controllable a lot of aspects of life is just i feel like a majority of people hate uncertain uncertainty but there's that small few that thrive with it you know <laughs> yeah. and i really want to get to know those type of people too i, right, that's right. What I just immediately thought of that when you said that though because yeah, there's types yeah. of people that just go on on the whim and just, you know, just live their life to the extent of which they're at at the moment. Like, right. hey, let's just go do this. Because, yeah. you know, that's the true, like, we only have now to live. Right. So, but no, the majority of people do fear uncertainty. I know, because I do. I fear uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Did you pick that because of what I brought in? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay, yeah. That's I what always, I... Yeah, I always pick my poems in reaction to... The poet guest poem. When I read something, my immediate reaction is, "Oh my God, that reminds me of that." Let's talk about that because I, I want our poetry to be a doorway in a way where we can relate to each other on some commonalities to it, you mm-hmm. know. And there's that exploration of the body to both of the poems that that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And, um, two different aspects too, because yeah, I was yeah. talking about my body yeah, and that, and, yeah. and the way I reacted to his touch yeah and then exactly. we were talking about the male's body and yeah that was great <laughs> it was just great I just yeah loved it. And, and i loved your poem too and that's why i was like oh yeah i have to interview her i really enjoy listening to it um and and like hearing you read it again so such a sensory experience thank you yes that's what i that's what i you know intend on doing cool. even even when i don't again like it's just i've found with the more that I read it out loud, whether it's just me reading it in my room or me performing it, it's the importance of feeling it because, again, poems and singing and all of that, you're gonna, you're trying to express this emotion. Mm-hmm. So if someone's there to see you, then I feel like it's important to let them really see you, mm-hmm. you know, see you and feel you and experience that with you because that's what most, most entertainment is, like a, distra- a distraction from what you're doing, from what your life, what's going on in your life. It's supposed to be your special me time or Mm -hmm. your just relaxation. And it's fun to experience things with other people in that time Mm -hmm. and to either relive things or be, uh, you know, introduced to things. And it's just, you know, it's it's better to have the distraction be a positive distraction and an interesting distraction rather than something that would negatively affect you or, you know, maybe make you even more sad and then you have to return to (laughs) something in your real life that's sad. So I like to make it as enjoyable as possible and really be there for people without, you know, necessarily being there because you know I don't know every person that was in that room I don't have a relationship with every person that was in that room but in that moment we all were connecting with what I had to say because I was hoping that they felt it as well yeah yeah exactly and that 
I think music and poetry serve as such a wonderful vehicle for conveying that sense of mutual feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's how, you know, when I read your poem, I'm like, oh, I think of this poem because I get the same feeling Mm -hmm. when I'm reading both. So in closing, you're planning to come back to Jared's for both those events uh, because he does those on a monthly basis. Yes, yes. I went to that reading with a new friend that I had made mm-hmm. and so I want to start going with her every time that we can mm-hmm. I really love that cafe and in terms of social media how can people follow you I'm most active on Instagram mm-hmm. so that would be one way and it's just my it's my first name unique and then dot where but it's spelled w-h-e-r-e it's okay. a little play on my name that <laughs> one of my old friends put together and then I do have a poetry Instagram, awesome. and that actually has the poem that I just read on it posted on there, probably mm-hmm. around the time that I wrote it, I believe. Oh, yeah. So my poetry, my Instagram is, for the poetry, is unique.po and then dot tree. So, yeah. So po and then try. It's oh, just the periods okay. in between. So unique.po.try, but... Okay. unique poetry. Right, right. I had to like morph that name because there's a lot of people that have unique poetry as their names, their Instagram names. Yeah, so. but most of them are not actually named unique. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For yeah, coming thank on you the so much for inviting me. I was really excited. I was like, oh, little old me and my poem that I wrote at 15. I can't. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's um, amazing. It's, it really is. Very mature for thinking. Trust Thank me. you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I was kind of like, oh, I actually just like a quick side note before we head out. I actually um I had written that poem again sophomore year, so a year after I was in that poetry class, and I met up with uh, Mr. Minor because oh, cool. he had he had subbed my uh, English class. I was taking um, mm-hmm. college English at that time, mm-hmm. and he had subbed for my English one hundred two class. Mm-hmm. And I asked him after class, "Do you have time to stay so I could read you something that mm-hmm. I've uh, written recently because I've been writing a lot?" Mm-hmm. And I read it to him, and he was like. And how old are you again? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it just came to me. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That just yeah. reminded me of that. Cool. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, he sounded like he, you know, he recognized that, and which is wonderful because you don't always get that from fellow poets. So. Yeah, that, it meant a lot coming from him because he was the first real poet that I right. knew. Right. So it was like, oh, and again, he was the one that really motivated me to, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I could dig deeper for this. I can, you know, I could do more with this rather than, again, just have some fun time after school every other week with yeah. my friends. So. <laughs> yeah. so thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> as always, you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. And as I mentioned before, you can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, as well as TuneIn. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.